Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. It's episode 163. Today is April 23rd, 2020. Uh, I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm uh, sitting here with Mr. Blake Arnsdorf, uh, virtually, of course, because social distancing and all that. Uh, yeah, we've got masks on, so we don't cough on each other through the internet. Oh, should we just do masks the entire episode? Like, should I just? Is that do a it? different mask than last week? It is a different mask than last week. Uh, you gotta, oh, you're so funny. You got to stylize. This is my Spider-Man mask. This is, Stylish. This makes it for a great podcast if you just talk through a mask. Yeah, you're basically Peter Parker. Yeah, basically. Uh, so, so yeah, we're just hanging out. It's it's another Thursday night for us Human Factors Cast podcast hosts. You know, just just kind of hanging out. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we got we got some we got one news story this week that's actually going to be more of a deep dive. You know, we're look like we we talk about this every week since quarantine happened. We want we want to focus on the positive news. Everything out there right now kind of reminds you of the state of the world. We're getting away from that. Today is going to be an escape in more ways than one, and we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to be talking about the VR's future and how it is not gaming. So it'll be a good conversation, I think. Uh, but first, we got some programming notes here. Our Patreon refresh that is out there. Uh, Human Factors Minute is live. It is a is a something we mention every week. Blake and I are so proud of it. Um, you know, we brought out the history lessons. We're bringing you information that's consolidated, highly researched, highly produced. Um, and it's a it's a great little just minute segment of your Human Factors. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I learned that in grad school, or I learned that uh, you know on the job way long ago, and I haven't used that in years. But that might be a great time to pull it out right now. It's that kind of stuff, you know. Um, or or maybe hopefully it's it's something new for you that you just don't even know about. Um, so like this week. Uh, I think we just launched, uh, this week was Think Aloud Protocol, and then uh, coming up here, we're going to be doing a HFES Technical Group Spotlight, uh, and Blake and I just took a look at all the content that we have so far, right before the show. It looks like we're almost, almost uh, two years out on on content, not not fully recorded and edited yet, but planned content. We're two years out on it. Um, we're up through one year of scheduled content out there so that's that's fun uh, or i guess one year since we started we're, we're trying to stay ahead of that curve trying absolutely to, anyway uh, we, the point is we have a lot of this that we are very excited about and it's like super easy for us to put together and uh throw out there every week and hopefully you find it valuable anyway human factors minutes out there go check it out uh, I think it's worth your time, but of course I'm going to say that because we made it. Uh, <laughs> well, also too, there. I feel like every time I go in this like giant spreadsheet, I find something else new that I haven't heard of or don't remember learning about ever in grad school or anything like that. So it's been a kind of fun exercise just for us, and I'm sure a lot of people will find value just in, you know, learning about a new method, learning about a new conference, definitely learning about the technical groups because there's so many of them, and there's no. I don't think there's any better way to go learn out learn information about them quickly and go you know figure out if you want to go get involved in the one like for virtual environments that may be coming up later in the year um yeah but yeah so it's cool stuff yeah and and you know it's not just like hfes technical groups it's other other conferences as well like we got spotlights on kai and ieee and hci international all those other conferences that you might expect 
um, and and even some of the like uh, what they call technical groups too, uh, or they don't call them technical groups, but it's the same kind of equivalent. So you're you're kind of getting a all in one uh, an all in one preview. Anyway, we're we're talking too much about this. It's if you if you if you're sold, you're sold. Go check it out. If you're not, we're gonna keep blasting you every week with it because we're proud of it. Um, <laughs> Uh, again, folks, our shows are going to be a little bit shorter just due to everything. We're we're looking at the good news here, not the bad news, and so there's not a whole lot of great news right now. So we're just we're trying to really focus in on that great news. We're keeping it shorter. A lot of people are working from home now. Uh, listening to podcasts is a little bit more cumbersome, especially if you're not on your normal commute. We understand making them shorter. That's why they're shorter. Um, but Blake, it's been a whole week since we checked in. What's going on in your world? Man, so a couple of weeks ago, I think I complained probably too much about, you know, I, I dove back into the world of music production and really was kind of frustrated with some of the, the UI elements of things that I was, you know, working within. Not going to name any names, uh, but I've actually come across, really come to enjoy a lot of different interfaces that I've come across. And one has been... Um, finding different plugins that you use is basically virtual instruments. And there's a company called Toneforge who's basically just made, I don't know, it's a it's a like a metal kit from high school's wet dream almost of every kind of cabinet you can almost think of and like different mic configurations all done through basically a virtual instrument setup for a lot of different types of bands, different types of music. But it's, it's kind of blown my mind, like how advanced this just like sig- signal technology is, where it's basically recorded, you know, different major artists kind of sounds and tones they use across albums and giving it to you so you can use it from just your laptop computer. You don't have to own any of the equipment. You don't even have to have a guitar to use some of this stuff, um, which has just blown my mind. But the one thing that I have really enjoyed about using some of these like different amps and foot pedals that are basically all virtual is the design of them really mirrors what you see in the real world, but in ways that are kind of a little bit better than maybe having to deal with a physical piece of technology. So like foot pedals interact just like a foot pedal does. And it's, it's things that you're already used to doing if you're a musician or if you've ever messed with foot pedals or use speakers and stuff like that. So it's been just, it's been a lot of fun, like going from being horrified at not knowing how to get around an interface for some of the more mainline audio production stuff to seeing some of these kind of cool tools that have been developed and a lot of like um, a lot of definitely user experience work has been put into and in developing them but then also on top of that just the auto engineering behind all of it is really awesome to look through and listen to that's really cool um you know for for me i am a like amateur musician uh, and like it interests me and, and this, hang on really quick, just to, this, this is called Toneforge. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's called Toneforge and I think it's all run through like the owner's website. So I think it's like Joey Sturgis or something, but I'll, I'll, yeah, put, a, if you, I'll, I'll put a link down below, uh, yeah. in the description for everyone. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is really cool. I can, you can, so can you put together like, um, MIDI symphonies and all that stuff? You can. Yeah, so what for that you're oh. still going to need like a traditional DAW, right? So you'd you'd have to have something like Ableton or Pro Tools or whatever. But this, like, I've I've been able to basically just use my audio input interface for between basically my guitar and my computer, and I can just use the instruments as I would like. I don't have to worry about recording or anything. But yeah, that's kind of the very crazy part to me is if you just had your laptop and you have all this stuff downloaded on there, you could basically open up Ableton or whatever your weapon of choice is and 
program a lot of music um, using all these different, you know, preamps and condenser microphones that are so expensive and like you would only get in a really high quality studio from that even artists themselves don't own some of this stuff. So yeah, it, it's basically allowing you to compose and put stuff together like in a symphonic fashion, almost like just writing the music and programming it in some ways. That's really neat. Uh, I might I might check that out myself. Um, you should, because right now I don't I don't know if you have like a DAW that you like to use, but Ableton is actually free for three months, um, so it's it's kind of fun to play around in. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out, and I'll put the link down below for everyone as well. Um, now, Blake, I you know I I must talk about something. Uh oh. Uh, you know the state of the world right now has us all kind of. Meeting virtually, yeah. Would you would you say that's true? We yeah, are all I, meeting virtually a little bit more. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> I, although I don't know, man, because I, I know we've talked about this before. I'm not as kind of impacted by it because I feel like I was meeting virtually with so many people. Right, right, right. So it's uh, it's not as crazy, but it sounds like from your perspective, you are doing a little bit a, I, a fair amount of virtual meeting. Now, here's the thing: I've done over the last week. I have done. Uh, I guess one, two, three, four, five, six different virtual meetings with various numbers of people. And I'm going to pose a question to you, Blake. Uh, and I just want you to go with your gut reaction here. What do you think is the appropriate number for a virtual social hangout? Number of people. Oh, for a social thing? Not like not for work? And not, not for work. Okay. Not for anything else. Like virtual. So yeah, I've done plenty other meetings that for, for actual work. But for... For socially hanging out virtually, what is the right number? If there is a right number, a range, just give me a range. Like, what's your gut? Five. Five people. Yeah, I want to say five people. Including yourself. Five five people outside? Yeah. Okay, so you're saying you plus four other people is the perfect number. Yeah, it seems like it to me. That is probably right where I stand, too. I find that when I go above, like, Five to six. I had one with six that was a little bit difficult in the beginning to navigate, uh, and then as people dropped off and became five, it was perfect. Um, and then as uh, the week went on, I had one today with about twenty people on it. Twenty, <laughs> twenty people on it, and there were these side conversations that were trying to happen. It was just this messy, messy thing where Wait, like over video or over video. Like, yeah, it was text video. chat. No, 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 oh, it was video. Ridiculous. It was video with 20 people. It was like a it was like a virtual happy hour and everyone was trying to talk over each other. There was no like organized like you know at at one point somebody muted everybody so that the person talking could continue their story. Like it just seemed That's wild. It just seemed like it was way too many and it's like people were asking me questions and I couldn't hear because other people were talking and I couldn't understand what the questions were. So, you know, it was my first time meeting a lot of these people too. So like it was, it was, it was challenging. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I thought it was an interesting question that I wanted to pose because I've had, I've had ones with like three people, right. With my family, right. My mom, my dad, uh, my uncle and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's me and, and my, my boy on my end, you know, and it's, it's fine. Um, but there's also a different dynamic there. And then there's one that I had with friends and it was the six that went down to five later. And it was still like at six, it was a little hard to navigate. Everyone was talking over each other. I kind of stayed in the background and just 
you know, you know, until there was five and then you feel a little bit more like, okay, you're on the screen and especially using the different team, like the different uh, tools. Right. So I've used go to meeting. I've used hangouts. I've used um, zoom and in all of them. Right. And teams too. Uh, there's, there's different ways each of these apps handle things. And I think Teams is probably the closest to optimal because what they do is they limit the screen to four additional people with you. And yeah. I know they're, they're planning to do like the three by three grid. Um, but for now it's four, right? So you see four people on your screen and then you're, there's yourself in like the bottom right corner. And that was fine. Um, Zoom does as many as you can do, and and the one that I was on uh, on GoToMeeting does as many people, and so does um, uh, I, I don't know how Hangouts handles it. I think Hang Hangouts has like this virtual assistant that will focus the camera on whoever's talking at that moment. Yeah, um, I think you're right. So uh, yeah, there's it's it's wild how how each company kind of handles things differently. Um, just and the number of people, it's it's so weird uh, to me. It's just an interesting question. Yeah, the happier thing has been kind of funny for me to hear because I know like uh, a few a few people I know have like gone to them and stuff like that. And with twenty people, I could just imagine that would be just hilarious to be almost a fly on the wall for. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I would on. have a hard it's, time. It's weird because you're a fly on the wall, but also you're on that wall yeah. too yourself, right? Like <laughs> you're I very was just, visible. I was just kind of sitting there, just just watching everybody, and uh, you know they would ask me questions occasionally, and that's fine. Um, but like you're sitting there and people are saying things that you're like, oh, okay. Um, and you like, you're flying on the wall. So your reactions are live, right? So it's not like you yeah. can just dip out. And <laughs> you <know? laughs> you really got to like, like people, mind your P's and Q's with your face. Yeah. That's people funny. know you're there. It's not like you can like sit in a, uh, it's not like you can pretend you're having a conversation with somebody else in a bar or something right and be listening outside you know your your area yes it's it's yes. weird man it is weird anyway that was that was just a fun little thing that i had a uh, experience with and, and wanted to share uh so five five is what we agreed on yeah five seems to be the the one for me like maybe that's just an, enough people that like you can have a, a pretty good set of conversations going and it can be fun but like with 10 or any more than five I feel like it would, there would be so much more talking over everybody it would be hard to really feel like you were participating or that you weren't just yelling over each other right yeah it's and it, and this is a whole nother conversation we might want to get into this i don't know uh since we are talking about video games at some point but when you translate virtual hangouts to like a third uh, type of hangout where you are mutually trying to accomplish a goal, like a meeting, like a working meeting or something, or a video game where you're trying to raid or something, right? I think that dynamic changes drastically. I think uh, if you're in like a working meeting th or, or video games, three is a good number because yeah. then you have two ideas to bounce things off of. There's not too much crosstalk. Uh, you can be a fly on the wall for the conversation between them, but then you can also jump in and it, it's almost like you're all equals, like you're all pulling your weight in some way, you know, whereas like on a call with 20 people, it's like, well, people are going to dominate the conversation. There's going to be things going on yeah. on screen that like, I don't know. What do you thought? What are, what are your thoughts when you're doing a combined goal? 
so it's definitely way more targeted, right? Because you have something more common to talk about with everybody that's involved. Because when you're talking about like social interactions with 10 people, like think about when you're at the bar, you're not talking to all 10 people at once. You're probably talking to two or three of them, having a side conversation. Right. Maybe switching to the people you talk to later in the evening type of thing versus like, oh, we're all here one time. Let's talk about the same thing. It's kind of hard to do. Whereas like working meetings or video games or even like user testing or whatever, when you have a common set goal and everybody's kind of focusing on it and you, you understand the space you're working in, like whether you're playing Call of Duty with friends that you play with or you're, you know, working on a specific design problem, you know the problem space and the kind of the variables that are going to be in it, what you need to be talking to each other about versus like the, the social, it's much more, you know, free for all. You catch up with people based on the things that you're interested in and you know they might be interested in. Um, so it's much more free form. You know, you know what I think needs to happen is we need to find some way uh, to kind of get these virtual breakout rooms. Like, you know, like you mentioned at the bar, you're talking with two or three people and you break off and you go talk with those people. And then you come back to the larger group and maybe select another few people to talk with or jump into the conversation. Right. Like maybe there's a couple different ways. Like, I don't know. You remember... Uh, uh, in like early video game days online where you would like maybe just it was proximity based the the chat right so you'd like run around and you'd go over over to one area and you'd see chat that's local to that run right and like slash say or whatever in an mmo for example or you know yell for the zone and and uh it kind of had those barriers of of uh social circles and yeah, I feel like that needs to happen with virtual environments too, right? Or with virtual hangouts where you are like, let's say, let's say you and I, Blake, are part of a virtual happy hour that has 20 people. And I'm like, you know what, Blake, can we just break off really quick? And then, you know, some way there's, there's a segment on the screen that just breaks it in half and says, oh, Nick and Blake are in this side conversation. I want to jump in on that one. What are they talking about? You know, and, and yeah. There needs to be a culture about it to where that's acceptable, right? And it's like, I'm not going to get upset if somebody jumps into our conversation. It's fine. Like, we'll know at that point there's like this unsaid social cue that they want to talk with us because they're in that conversation with – you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it's kind of like when you see somebody walking towards you and like if you're out and about and you're talking to one of your friends and it's somebody you know, you can almost – you can tell that they're going to come and join the conversation. So right. like knowing that virtually is just a little bit different, but I think it's possible. There's nothing. It's just like getting used to it. It becomes another type of social norm, right? I hope that's the evolution from all this, right? I think we're all starting to get the world as a whole is starting to get used to this virtual uh, meeting space. And, and maybe that's the next step, right? Maybe, maybe those virtual breakout sessions where you're like, Oh, well I want to pop over here to see what they're, and I can see where that's incredibly useful for, uh, like, um, for working environments too, right? Like, like agile teams and people who are shared across multiple teams can go and say, Hey, what's going on over here? Uh, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm part of that. I just heard a conversation over in the other room. They're talking about this thing. Actually, why don't we all get together? Right. And then you can like combine everybody. I just feel like that's, that's gotta be the next step. Honestly, and maybe this is touched on a little bit in the article you've got, but I feel yeah. like one of the big steps is, you know, putting, if you were, if you had VR goggles on, right, and you were going to a virtual happy hour that was literally in VR, that kind of simulated experience of walking around to different conversations or moving around to different ones would make more sense. It'd be more analogous to what we experience now we're out and about or going in between, you know, people's offices and stopping in and saying hello 
that kind of stuff. So yeah, I feel like there's there's something about the 2D medium aspect of it that makes it feel very unnatural, whereas like the the VR more immersive experience could make it be a very analogous to like everyday life, social interaction, or work interaction. You know what, Blake? I think that's such a perfect segue that I'm going to go ahead and take us right into Human Factors news. That's right. This is the part of the show where we talk about everything related to the field of human factors. This could be anything as long as it pertains to the field. But this week, it's all about virtual reality. And uh, you know what? We don't even have a blurb for you really this week. Um, it's an article by Gizmodo. They they kind of go into how Magic Leap uh, kind of laid off some folks this week. Uh, and that's sad news. But, you know, the future of VR isn't really gaming. And, and that's their whole point here with this uh, article from Gizmodo. And I wanted to use this as kind of a jumping off point for us to talk about, right? And we were just talking about sort of this 3D environment with virtual meetings. And I think you're absolutely right, Blake. If that was a, if that was uh, an option, right? The, I mean, there's all these issues with affordability of virtual environment or uh, virtual devices or, uh, you know, but I mean, there's also, you could even do a 3D space though with a virtual environment like I don't know, like Second Life or something where you're just controlling an avatar. However, it becomes, you know, not everybody knows the controls. And maybe that's something sure. that we all kind of have to get used to. I mean, there's not that many people on this planet anymore that don't have experience, at least in some regard, with putting hands on a keyboard or navigating a virtual environment with WASD or the arrow controllers at the very least, right? Like, uh, you know, I can very easily see, like... Uh, all of us running around with virtual tele robots in a some environment, right? And and it's it's kind of interesting that we're all kind of uh, playing with these backgrounds that have you, you know, in different places. And it's because we want to be somewhere virtually. And I don't know. This is just an interesting discussion. Uh, I don't know. I think, yeah. What do you think? That's a that's a really good concept, and it totally smacks what I said earlier in the face really hard. Like, it, you don't really need the aspect of being, you know, in virtual reality in the in the sense of like wearing goggles, like an Oculus or something. I think it could be as simple as you know simulating something like The Sims or like um, not Half Life, <laughs> Second Life. Yeah, Half Life. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Half Life. There we go. <laughs> That'd be terrifying, but so fun at the same time. Talk about working God. towards an objective. <laughs> No but kidding. but I think like even somebody who like my mom she's in her 60s and she she knows more about like how to use an iPad and how to play some of the games on it that is hilarious on it that it it would make sense that she could almost pick up and figure out how to move a body around in like a virtual world it's not like she's somebody who's big on like playing video games or anything but if it's that social aspect because um, she's one of those people that just really can be very, very extroverted. So this kind of social isolation is very, very tough. So something like this or like doing FaceTime has become super important. But in the in, I'm glad I'm so this is a kind of like a heart wrenching article in some ways, because magically, you don't want to see a whole bunch of people get, you know, laid off in any kind of space but in the game or game space or in magic leaps case at all it, it's tough like because it's a, it's a big tech company so it's, it's hard to see them having them struggling but i do agree with the kind of the the concept that's at least overlaid in this article that the reason you see so many of these really big major players getting into some of the headset type stuff when, when it's related to vr is not just a video game 
aspect of it or they wouldn't like just hedge their bets on a space that they don't really have their feet too deep into like i know they mentioned a little bit here like the application to the military world or definitely in the industrial world of kind of like goggles and things like that retail um, uh, retail medical. has got to be huge uh it, i don't know i could see that as just being such an awesome opportunity for design like I, I don't know ikea was one of the first people that i remember seeing like that augmented reality application of you do you want to buy this sofa well let's see what it looks like in your house does it actually fit what else do we have that does fit so just like those kind of things that again are playing up the fact of you not having to do the extra work of leaving the space that you're in and in a time like this it's kind of an interesting like intersection of technology and the requirements of our lives at the moment yeah, it's it's yeah, it, and and I do want to be clear though. Like this this conversation that we're having, it's not just VR; it's VEs too, and a lot of people forget about that too. Um, yeah, and so it, I I'm the idiot in the room when it comes to this stuff. So when we're talking about virtual VEs, you mean virtual environments, yes, right? Yeah, virtual environments meaning anything that is constructed in a virtual uh, space. So this could be. Um, a house in The Sims. This that could be a virtual environment. Any video game that you play, you are navigating in a virtual environment. And hell, even virtual environments even go as far back as storytelling. As long as you are transported to a different place through consciousness, um, you are in a virtual environment, right? So, like they they talk about uh, in uh, what is it? The, the book I always recommend, um, Infinite Reality. That is a they they go into how virtual reality is not just the actual computer based virtual reality that we think of it. It goes back to the days where you know they'd all sit around a campfire and someone would tell a story. And in your imagination, you are living in a virtual environment because it is not real. Uh, somebody else is taking you on that journey through the words that they are speaking. And um, I, I always thought that was very interesting, right? That's a very interesting concept that it doesn't have to be digital. And a lot of people associate virtual with digital. And so so anyway, we can, we can talk about all that, right? We can talk about how virtual environments, even through, you can even argue that perhaps therapy sessions could be virtual environments, right? When, when somebody talks to you and asks you to relive a moment that you had trouble with, that could be a virtual environment because they are taking you back to that time and place that that occurred in your mind and you are walking them through it. Like I, but I mean, and just for what we're talking about on the show, I think we are talking about virtual environments digitally and think, you know, think like headsets, AR, VR, that type of mixed reality thing. But I, I, it's, it's something that I like to bring up all the time because it's not something people think about. No, it's not because I mean, I would have never, it makes the, the leap to virtual reality make more sense about where it came from because the when you're talking about somebody describing you a, to you a story and you being able to basically feel like you can transport yourself into it into your imagination the interesting part about that is without kind of the secondary technology or you regurgitating your personal experience of what you've imagined there's no way to kind of share that exact experience with somebody else right because even though somebody else is telling you a story the way that you interpret it and then the inner workings of your own consciousness and how you develop the world and the you know the feel of it or whatever it smells like any of that kind of stuff it's all going to be very very much related to how you perceive it and how your imagination has come and grown 
Um, whereas with technology like like some of the AR VR stuff, we have the ability to kind of not just storytell, but share our own experiences of stories that are impacting us. So I think that's kind of like where the dichotomy is in my mind, at least. Uh, but that's really cool that that book Infinite Reality focuses on that this is not really that virtual reality is not necessarily limited to you know a computer interface uh, allowing to transport you there and that's kind of I think something I definitely have taken for granted when I think of like virtual anything is that it has to be you know digital not just something that's in your imagination right well I mean let's let's talk about that digital aspect of it um, you know this article brings up several different industries like retail. Uh, it also brings up military, medical applications. Uh, so, you know, I think I think we've talked about it on the show quite a bit in the past, how some of these medical applications, the future... I mean, I, I don't know what I was thinking picking this article because we, we really do talk about this all the time. Anytime... Uh, and, and we intentionally go out of our way to not bring up news stories that talk about VR and gaming because that's not very interesting frankly so to speak of course i'm interested in it because it's my bread and butter but uh to the masses i think everyone kind of understands that application right that's something that is easily understood oh yes a lot of people are going to use vr for gaming but i think it's the other spaces that make it interesting um and so like walmart is training people through the use of these headsets and the military has a million different uses with headsets and augmented reality and virtual environments and all that stuff. Um, and even medical, we've talked about several different stories over the course of the last year where, you know, they're using uh, virtual environments to do uh, like practice runs on on bodies before they actually go in for surgery and and other really neat applications for that type of domain. Right. So I'm excited that, um, you know, articles like this exist because they are kind of feeding uh, that information to others that are maybe maybe not to our audience. Right. I think our audience is, is aware of that, but just to others in general, how how maybe it's not all about gaming. Maybe it is other things, too. And I, I like to see these types of articles. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's it's been funny that the medical space has really taken off when it comes to like thinking about virtual environments and VR, especially in the last year. But I feel like since I've really done the show with you, we've seen just this evolution of virtual reality and environments in the medical world, whether it's just like training exercises like you were talking about to actually, you know, manipulating surgical tools while being in the operating room using something like this it's it's been pretty interesting to see and it is it is kind of hard to kind of divorce ourselves from the video game aspect of it because i think for you and i that's an exciting part of what all this is doing and the fact that like some of the companies that are behind it it's very awesome to kind of watch them work or hear of the things that they're doing um but i i really do especially right now because there's so much of this like hopping on zoom calls to have you know social interaction with people and facetiming to be able to like talk to your friends and things like that i feel like there really is an an open you know playbook for people like facebook or even google to kind of dive in and think about how to change the social interaction space to really connect people even further than they do now because, I mean, like, for instance, my mom lives across the country and then my stepdad is now kind of like locked in Ireland for the time being. And it's it's great to be able to call and hear their voice or do like video chats and stuff like that. But it's it's not the same 
oddly enough as, as it might sound, it's not the same thing as being in the same room, right? So something like virtual reality or being able to log into a common space where we could both kind of coexist or f- have that kind of mimicked feeling uh, could could really prove to help people understand stuff of like, well, maybe this isn't really just video games. This is allowing people to connect on a deeper level than just, um, you know, getting work done or learning things or playing games together. It's like actually bringing and forming communities kind of like you, you and I were talking about a moment ago of those, like making the virtual happy hours feel more like a happy hour. That needs to happen. That really just needs to happen. Uh, anyway, there are plenty of other applications for VR. Uh, I think we all know it. I don't, really feel like we need to spend more time on this um again these are shorter episodes so we did our deep dive uh this is normally where i would pay uh, play a patreon commercial but we only have then one news story this week so if if you feel so inclined go check out patreon we mentioned human factors minute at the top of the show we're really proud of it uh thank you to gizmodo for all of our news stories this week um you know there's you know, if you want to follow along, we do have links to those on our social media and we have them on Slack. So please go and join us there for all those links. Um, and now this is the part of the show where we get into. It came from. It came from. It came from Reddit. Yeah, that's right. This is where the, we look all over the community uh, to figure out what the hot topics and what we can weigh our two cents and nickels on and and uh have have a little fun with it so uh up first this week um really this is the the only one this week and that's okay that's okay we're doing these shorter shows for a reason folks we know you don't have a whole hour to sit around and listen to us talk um so this one's from the uh this is the user experience subreddit and this one's from uh slenderman slenderman uh and uh this is titled copying a well-known design for portfolio they go on to write hello i'm in the process of creating a new portfolio website for myself one of the designs that i really like is the no-name brand not just the website itself but the overall design language it'd be something instantly recognizable for many canadians where i plan to look for jobs so i was wondering what the general consensus is on blatantly copying this design for my portfolio i was also thinking of adding an explanation of why i choose to, chose to make it my portfolio the way it is of course cheers blake is copying okay this is uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a phrase that you like to use, and I'm gonna say I'm of two minds of this. Um, so I, <laughs> I I I think so. I just took a look at the no name brand, and that sounds like such a really cool idea that I think people would get stoked on it. Um, you better be, <laughs> be <laughs> careful because you can get yourself in some serious legal troubles for that for like st- basically stealing a brand's branding. Um, so definitely pay attention. Though the one thing about doing it though is like if it if it is obviously a kind of you're taking a take off of no name brands branding, which is hard to say. Uh, that's one thing. The blatant copying, I think people would either think you're stealing or they would get it's kind of like kind of fun, but it, you'd have to you're taking a gamble if people take that shot or not. the The one thing that I think is kind of strange right now is. I'm not going to name any names, but there, there's a there's a person in the design space who I really like their work, 
they they're super inspiring to me they've worked with all the companies that in my wildest dreams i wish that i could have worked for and done freelance stuff and built for and they're putting out like a, a series of content right now that's i think is super pivotal for people creating portfolios in that like you kind of have to build your portfolio in a way to attract the people you want to attract so stealing going through and like stealing some concepts from no name brand that's not not really a bad idea but it has to be and feel your like it's your own design language on top of that um and i think that's really important now one thing that i'm seeing from some of the design community is people selling their assets of their portfolio to people that don't have portfolios yet. And I think that that, that while that's cool and it can make people money. And I think it's a great idea. You do run the risk of when you copy stuff or take people's assets, that it's just going to look the same. And now their stuff's really going to be the one that everybody remembers. It's not your work. It's their work. They remember, Oh, you're using X and Y's template for your portfolio. I've seen that somewhere else. And so it doesn't stand out as much. It doesn't give you as much of a creative voice. Um, so uh, two minds for sure. But Nick, wh what do you think? I mean, would you, if you were putting your portfolio together, how would you go about it? Would you take something full cloth or would you create kind of your own branding? Look, here's the thing. Pick and choose elements you like. Um, don't take the whole thing. Don't copy one for one because of what Blake said. People are going to come after you. Um, but I mean, that's look, taking from other people, what they have done well and using that in your own thing is how many innovations happen, right? That's how like the toolbar that Microsoft has developed is being used all over the place. Right. And instead of just in Microsoft products, now you'll see it in Google, Google stuff, but it's not called the ribbon. It's called a toolbar or something. Right. And it's, it's different. So the thing is, good ideas uh, are worth carrying over to your own stuff, right? So if you like this no-name brand, if you want to take elements of it, like perhaps the structure, the font maybe, the design language as you speak, but maybe change up the colors, change up the content, change up um, basically how you are communicating that, and maybe, just maybe go out to other places and see if there's elements that you like from those other places to pull in to make it like something totally different and new and unique that will also scream your name as a brand, right? You are, when you are creating a portfolio, you are creating a brand around your name. And to do that, you need to have a unique spin on it. And I think, uh, to me, it's just a big no, no to take like, like a direct copy of somebody else's work and call it your own. Um, regardless of what it is you know make it make it your own in whatever way you can uh, even if it's taking a ribbon and changing up the way it's organized because it's a little different you know like take the website change the colors change the font make it your own that's that's my advice absolutely i think it's a good idea and look at looking at their website i can totally see a fun way to turn that into an awesome you know portfolio oh yeah so more power to you yeah, I see a lot of I see a lot of potential there. Uh, all right, well, I think that's gonna be it for today, folks. It was a short episode, but uh, you know it's a good one. I, I've had fun. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of the one news story this week? The deep dive that we did. Did you like I it? I thought it was great. I I thought it was fun too. I I always like talking about VR, but I I'm glad you had a blast too, Blake. Uh, you are laughing too hard over there. I I don't think you liked it. 
Uh, you can follow us all over our social channels at H Factors Podcast. Uh, if you want to email us directly, you can do that at show at humanfactorscast.com. If you like what you hear, want to support us, you can leave a review on your podcast medium of choice. That really helps helping people find the show. Uh, and if you leave a good review, you know, that's that's great. That's that's the best gift that we could ask for. Uh, except for money, we are very excited to take your money. If you like Human Factors Minute and want to, want to give us your money, that's fine too. Uh, please remember there's a lot of people out there who are struggling financially, so... Uh, please, if you know, don't donate to us before you donate to somebody else. Like we're, we can get by. We'll be fine. Um, screaming child in the background. We're fine. And of course, you can always reach us at our home on the web, humanfactorscast.com. I want to thank Mr. Blake Arnsdorf for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about virtual breakout rooms? Yeah, if you guys want to hop in a virtual breakout room, you could always hop into our Slack because you can find me there all the time. But also, you can find me across social media. At don't panic, UX. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it, it depends. depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.